This is Purple Radio On Demand. Hello and welcome to Hoosock Podcasts. I'm Jacob and I'm here with Martin. Oh, hi. Christian. Hello. And returning, Emily. Hello. Obviously, Emily, you weren't with us last week. What was it like listening to us uh, go on without you here to control us? Well, it was definitely quite interesting, especially seeing as uh, we had quite different topics for the week. Uh, but I actually really enjoyed listening to someone else's input on the episodes. It was a nice change. That's nice and very subtle by saying different topics. Thanks, Raya. <laughs> this week, we're discussing some Tarans with John Pertwee's The Time Warrior and a episode of the spin-off, The Sarah Jane Adventures, The Last Sontaran. Full disclosure, there will be spoilers for both of these and probably several other episodes. So, yeah, I actually got that in the beginning if we want to, we're learning to be professional. Yeah, we're going to go on tangents. Oh, yeah. So, Time Warrior. Premise of this is it introduces the Sontarans, this clone warrior race that all like potatoes. Here, one of them, Commander Lynx, has landed in the Middle Ages and is kidnapping scientists from the future to fix his craft's ship. Meanwhile, the third Doctor meets new companion, journalist Sarah Jane Smith. So what do we think? Yes, no? Oh, I like it. It's, it's yeah. one of those like, iconic Pertwee stories, I think. It's a, good, it's a good starting point for if you want to jump into classic Who, and for, I think, Pertwee's Doctor, at least. It's a good one to start with. Yeah, it's a pretty harmless episode, to be fair. Um, it doesn't push its limits, but it's also not like playing safe or being boring. Um, well, it seems to remembered. As someone who doesn't um, like watch very much classic Who, I found it like actually quite a good episode to watch because out of the ones I've seen so far, I didn't think the effects were as bad as some of the effects and monsters I've seen before. I don't. I, I feel like just having watched all the black and white ones. The effects almost seem worse now they're in colour. Because you I remember give a certain extent it with it being black and white. When you do spearhead from space, the most fun thing about being in colour is suddenly they have like packets of powder exploding everywhere when the autons shoot you. And it was like, look, we have colour now. Mm, um, yeah. It definitely makes like, the effects more interesting, but also like accentuates their flaws at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I want to point out, like, as a complete side note right now, that before we started, I opened the wiki page for Time Warrior and its production code is UUU, um, <laughs> which is great. Um, Who's podcast? The trivia you will find nowhere else. Mm -hmm. Because um, no one else is talking about it. How to pronounce it. <laughs> so what do we think of Sarah Jane in this episode then? Christian, hold back. Uh, I, I, okay, <laughs> I, can, I can wait for my point. Well, I mean, Sarah Jane is the most um, generic companion. I don't mean that as an insult. Iconic as well, but because Iconic, she's generic. Yeah. She's the most memorable of the classics to everyone who's watched. Archetypal. That's in the well, to, If you ask a lot of people, they would say, oh, Doctor and Sarah Jane. They'd probably well, go back. How much is that because she came back in New Who? Well, exactly. <laughs> well, why did they bring her back in the first place? Because... Russell T. Davis like threw a dice and it landed on Sarah. I don't know. I think I think I've said this in this podcast before. I've definitely told you a lot. But there was a quote from Davies saying why he chose Sarah Jane. It's because she was generic. She didn't have um, a big backstory and people knew who she was. So bland and trash is what he was saying, basically. <laughs> no, because he, he specifically named up Dodo and said no one would know who she was. And because Dodo is 
marginally worse than Sarah. Marginally? No, okay, sorry. No, Dodo is just horrific. And her exit story was running off without saying goodbye. So no one in, missed her. In terms of like having a companion which doesn't have such an extravagant backstory, it sort of helps like integrate them into the new Who stories because they can sort of just pick up into the new story rather than like being bogged down with all things that happened before. Yeah. Personally, I'm glad Dodo went extinct. <laughs> is all I'm gonna say. <laughs> well, I, I told you not to start going off on Sarah Jane. You just picked another companion to go off on. So <laughs> no one likes Dodo. That's a safe point, to be honest. No, no, I'm not making any denials. I'm just summing you up as a person. But I do agree with Emily. Like the fact that she's more generic means she's a much like if you want to knew who worked much more on backstories, and Sarah was there. She was a classic companion but she hadn't had much backstory, which means she's actually really easy to integrate and then give backstory to, which makes her all the more interesting to build on later and accessible to both the older and the newer generations. Um, that's what makes it good. Like that's part of the reason I think she got her own like spin-off series as well, because she was so well-known, but also underdeveloped in a way. So it kind of helped her get her own footing, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. She, got, she got two spin-off series. Yeah, but you know, are we going to talk about Canine and Company? Well, no, I, I think we should, because it does make the point that she was, even back then, so well-loved that they knew she could, obviously, theoretically, because it didn't actually go anywhere beyond the pilot. I mean, it would have gotten somewhere, but BBC got a new controller at the time, which is the only reason it got dumped. Um, mm. And, I mean, I love Canine Company because its intro is so, so 70s, and it's just composed of canines sitting on the walls and Sarah drinking alcohol, which gives you a completely wrong impression of what the show is about, because it just turns up into a cultist nightmare, um, which I like, also classic Doctor Who loved. I like Canine Company for a, for a detail on the wiki, which is, uh, there's an actor in it, uh, or the character, is his name Brandon? Who's like mm -hmm. Sarah Jane's yes. aunt's ward. Yes, I'm and right. I think we showed Ken and Comedy last year, and there was this sort of collective agreement that he was really fit. Mm -hmm. And you go on the wiki, you find his actor's page, and it specifically says he was 18 years old when filming Ken and Company, which just reads as, Yes, you can fancy him. <laughs> but we're, we're getting, we're about eight years ahead, or one, depending on the dating controversy. So let's loop back to the episode itself and talk some Tarans. So they showed up here and showed up. Uh, Three more times in Gossico? Sometimes experiment invasion of time, two doctors. Yeah, and was, yeah. managed to transcend into Nuhu. So, what do we think of the Sontarans as a villain? Uh, I like how the first came up as hairy potatoes and like. Crispy hairy potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the difference because in, in the Sontaran experiment, it's so different. It does look very much more like a potato in, in the Sontaran experiment, I'd say. I hadn't realised until like I started watching like classic Who how much like a potato more they looked then because I already thought they looked like a potato like in New Who so I was like oh wow this is I mean historically the Centaurans had quite an issue with designs um, and I don't remember like all the details but like an actor for the Centaurans the one they built the costume for had heart issues or something at one point so they had to redesign it and things like that so the Centaurian design throughout the classic era is a bit inconsistent but that's due to actor availability otherwise it would have actually probably been more consistent yeah because the ones in the two doctors are very tall as well and that that kind of makes me it puts me off that episode a little what bit. What clone race? I, I, I like, I really like tall. to. No, I like that design because the like outfits they're wearing, they look like extras from Rocky Horror. 
<laughs> one thing like we all picked out on when we were watching the time warrior was like the skinniness of the Sontaran's legs like it was definitely <laughs> a prominent feature it, it's a weird note but yeah we did just sort of go that it doesn't seem to fit the rest of their body it's like they've really padded up the costumes <laughs> Sontarans do skip leg day yeah like the, ma- the first time we see the Sontarans faces tongue is kind of awkwardly sticking out of his mouth like is this supposed to be a warrior race we're fearing or is he just a derp he does that um, a lot it's like it's like Barney Crouch in um, Goblet of Fire does the little <laughs> The Some... actor is just really struggling to breathe through all those potato prosthetics. To Probably. Be I think I like be it's supposed to be like death thirsty for battle. Like that's how I always saw it. But, but his tongue, you like just want to grab it and like throw <laughs> it It's just really badly animated. <laughs> Alternatively, they're just thirsty because another plot point we noticed was the sort of weird homoerotica that they seem to be. <laughs> Why are you going. making this your bridge right now? <laughs> because I'm never missing an opportunity like that. Because the Santaran obviously takes the scientists from the future, but is um, secreted within a castle in the Middle Ages, and there's a generic king. The Middle Age plot, it's it's scenery. It's not particularly interesting. I feel like it's just but, um, an excuse for Sarah to change clothes. More on this later. <laughs> but yes, the, Son- the Santaran, the relationship between Lynx and Iongard, is that his name? It's Iongard. Yeah, sure, why not? Let's go or something like that. Yeah, isn't it? that between an Iron Man? Mm-hmm. There's a certain <laughs> tension between them. No, no, them Iron Man's we... different. Yeah, Iron Man's yeah, the same Iron Man in the episode. To is Iron Man their ship name, in a way, because I mean, <laughs> but But the guy wished for Iron Man 2, and like, that's pretty low standards, to be honest. Like, <laughs> at least go for one or, Fair. you know, okay. three if you've watched the Avengers. We're not, we're, not doing, we're not doing a Marvel podcast, can we? Yeah, there was a, there's an interesting relationship between Iron Man and I know he's not Iron Man. I can't think of another pun. And the Sontaran, there's a weird tension between them. That's that point, I can't Jacob. Go on. I don't really know what my point, point is. <laughs> You're not Where are you going fi- with this? It's not even going to find a fanfic on Wattpad. Like, I bet like, I'll, I'll get the one for us. <laughs> I describe yeah. it as like a definite strive for um, like dominance in both of them over the castle. Oh yeah, it's what I got, would describe yeah. it as. You got Iron <laughs> who's the who's just rule of the castle, and he's like, "This is my castle. You're going to do what I do." And then Sontaran, the Sontaran's just like, "No, I'm cleverer than you. I come from the stars. You'll do what I do." And it's just that for four episodes. There's always, I mean, it's always a t- there's that in modern Who as well. The Sontaran's trying to, if you think of the modern uh, two parts Sontaran stratagem and Poison Sky, when so you got. Straps. Oh, no, no, no! I'm thinking actual Sontarans doing actual Sontaran stuff. There is the relationship between um, what's his name, Style, General Style, and Luke Rattigan. There's definite tension and, to an extent, one-upmanship. So I think that is just the Sontaran character like, trait. It just there was no romantic tension one. between Style and Luke Rattigan, though. So well, clearly Helen Rayner got it wrong. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> what I would say though about the Time Warrior is that I can't remember the name of like the queen who owns the other castle, but no it's idea. almost like they've been designed, like the episode's been designed for the tension to be like between the two castles, but it was kind of like written wrong. So it's between like the Sontarans and. Yeah, no, they were like really chilling near the castle and just lovely and accommodating. Uh, <laughs> it was also, just I- kind of strange. We'll go back and eat a meal and like, oh yeah, we have to attack this castle tomorrow. Also, I, I know they probably were historically quite similar but i put money on the fact that's the same set that's just the same oh, yeah. castle. It just did, it's the same room the camera's just on the other side yeah so you well, don't get any distinction between the two kingdoms 
Yeah. It's always a danger of doing two I mean, very similar sets. Did you think they'd like, you know, book out two castles during the classic era? Like, they couldn't even book out two quarries with their budget, so... <laughs> and it's also the fact that, like, I know it takes up, like, screen time, but the travelling, like, between the castles, it's just instantly, they're just there, like, in the courtyard, like, of each one. I mean, hats off, because usually... Classic- took the Game of Thrones Series 8 approach to fast travel. Um... <laughs> You, um, you may not I fast mean, travel, Sontarans are nearby. <laughs> I mean, the Middle Ages were like a decent setting. I think it was a safe setting and it worked quite well for the episode. Uh, it's an enjoyable setting, uh, but there are also more interesting ones. I think it worked well for what it had. Uh, think, probably, think, you don't want it to take over the actual point of the episode, which is the Sontarans. Yeah, so, no, yeah. and also you're kind of being safe um, quite often, you know, you see that. Um, if you're introducing a new companion, for example, you don't want to do it in something that overshadows them. Um, so Artons have quite commonly been used to introduce new companions, for example. Um, both Liz and Joe and Rose got introduced as new companions with the Artons. They're a great villain to do that because they're quite blank on their own. Um, so going for yeah. a safe location as well makes sense. Yeah, middle age yeah, in this but- episode is Victorian London in modern who. It's just a place that's in the mm, past. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, they don't have a budget for Victorian who uh, the Victorian era yet. Yeah, it's that's too close. That's just like ten years ago. Yeah, the BBC. Um, yeah, it's a decent episode. I enjoy it. I think there are better Pertwee ones in general. Like I'm a fan more of the Joe era with Pertwee uh, and the Delgado Master, who's sadly out of it now. Uh, at this point but yeah that's what I stick to a third era because the unit family is the best thing about it all and it does come back with Sarah as well we get Planet of the Spiders and Invasion of the Dinosaurs um, and there are some really good arcs there like Yates being a traitor uh, which is spoilers uh, but I, but I gave the spoiler warning so far yeah, yeah but it's like that one is carried over multiple episodes and it's like you don't always think of classic who doing long arcs for characters, but it actually does it quite commonly once you start watching it. Um, yeah. I think it was one of the things that surprised me originally when I watched classic who, but actually, oh, this is quite well plotted and thought out. It's not just standalone episodes that keep a similar cast throughout. One of the other things I noticed about like the Time Warrior, I don't know, I know it's quite common in like the classic series, but the like transitions and the like cliffhangers they make up between each episode is quite interesting. Like the first one where the Santaran takes his helmet off literally and then puts it straight back on after, like just so they could have a dramatic reveal. That was his like, taking a mask off in a shop. <laughs> like yeah. someone walks in on him, look, gonna put back on. Pertwee does have the best cliffhanger in the Death to the Daleks. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. um, sometimes the cliffhangers are timed well. Sometimes it's a title on the floor. Or <laughs> in the case of uh, the Sixth Doctor era, the episodes became 45 minutes long, but America still split them up into 20 minutes chunks. And there's one episode that's just like, doc- the Doctor says to this tourist, like, can you take me there? And she's like, of course, it's this way. And the credits roll as if that's such a dramatic ending. Uh, and that's for the two Doctors, actually. Uh, we just didn't see that one. Uh, all right, well, I think we'll leave Time Warrior there. We've got a lot to say about it. So let's move on to La Santaran. As I said, this is a spin-off from the Sarah Jane Adventures. And is a a type of sequel to the Series 4 episode, Sontaran Strategy and Poison Sky. The Doctor defeats the Sontarans there, but once survives, crashes to Earth, rebuilds the ship, takes over a radio telescope, and plans to crash all of Earth's satellites into nuclear reactors. Now, Martin, I'm going to come to you for this one, not just because Emily's message in our chat let Martin speak, 
but you've not seen you've how much of Sarah Jane Adventures have you seen before today or yesterday? No, uh, I've seen clips on YouTube of like one or two episodes. But you've not seen like any proper ones. No, no. What well, what did you think of this then? It, is, it was it was fun. So I think because it's uh, I didn't really know the characters that well. So we'll talk about Maria later. But I didn't really you know know what was going on with her there. So you know, I wasn't following that properly. But I could see the chemistry between all the characters. It was quite fun. The Sontaran was very good, and I know we'll talk about him again in a bit. And the episode itself, I thought, was pretty nice with a small cast and just one or two locations. Yeah, so, I mean, Sarah, Sarah Jane had less budget than Classic Who did. So they've got to kind of compensate. And they, they do it quite well. You, you never feel like, even though they're just going back and forth between a radio telescope and a forest, you yeah, don't like, feel like it's reusing of... it too much making it feel like there's more places. I think like the car and like the introduction of like Maria's family really helps like make it feel like you've been somewhere else. Even yeah. At least we start on Bannerman Road so we don't jump straight into Tycho, um, which makes it feel more long distance. Yeah, you get the traditional Sarah Jane has a monologue at the start of end of every series. <laughs> do. Mary, Mar Maria starts a monologue this episode, uh, doesn't she? Uh, am I really uh -huh. misremembering? I think it's her at first. She's what, looking into the together. Sarah. A dialogue, if you will. There was quite a bit of, I still noticed the monologuing, but I think that's just such like a prominent feature of Sarah Jane, like that I just knew, like I don't even notice that anymore because I think there was some at the start and then, but I sort of just overlooked it. So, yeah. Well, character wise then, Martin, so who's. You've got Maria, Luke, and Clyde in this episode. Who was the one you sort of identified with, not identified with, but like enjoyed watching the most out of that oh, game? Oh, I like Clyde. He's just sarky and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Clyde, Clyde is always a good choice. I mean, I, I'm a Luke fan, always have been. I think as a kid, Clyde was one of the ones I didn't quite like all the time. Like the sarkiness was fine, but like sometimes he just irritated me with his character decisions. So the Berserker episode, I remember being like, Clyde, come on, dude. <laughs> Well, isn't he, he's, is he not mind controlled in the Berserker not episode? all the time. Like, like, at first, he's just oh, following yeah. his dad, to be fair. But then you okay, are following no. a parental figure. Um, however, he's he, ignoring like, that his dad stole a Berserker pendant from the attic. Like, I personally have always been, like, a Luke person, but actually, this might be a controversial opinion, but I've never really liked Maria, so I was, like, always a Ronnie person, so... I, I know, I'm not... I like it, I think... Well, I feel like I prefer Ronnie, but then again, she's got the advantage of being in three and a half series. That's true, yeah. yeah. My memory was in barely one. So, I mean, there's always going to be an element of enjoying yeah, and character more if you've got more time with them. Ronnie's like, parents were more ingrained in the school setting as well, from memory, right? I think her dad was a teacher. I don't remember what Alan did, but he was not a teacher, so he was He more was more... Um, a computer person. Yeah, so he was more on the side. Um in that regard. Um, Chrissy, Chrissy just sort of showed up. Chrissy doesn't... <laughs> she was there for the dad I, drama. I, I think um, I think she's a trophy wife to a new boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, it really helps that? add, like, a different dynamic, though, like, to the episode, like, because, you know, they're, like, running through the forest and they're all, like, concentrating on the Sontaran, but suddenly there's, like, Chrissy's just there, like, creating problems and it adds, like, an extra issue. With oh, that. My, my heels! My heels <laughs> <laughs> See, because of Susan, my um, grandfather, my ankles of the classic era. <laughs> but it's I just want to say, I don't think that was a terrible Chrissy impression. 
I, I could see Davies doing it. Yeah. Where did, actually, who wrote this? Phil Ford wrote this one, who you might know from The Walkers of Mars. Oh, yeah, Phil Ford writes wrote a lot of Sarah Jane and uh, Torture. That's why he got Wars of Mars because he'd been doing so well on those that Davies, because Wars of Mars was originally a Christmas special, but Davies wouldn't have had time to write it because of Children of Earth. So he gave yeah. it up and he said, Phil Ford can have it because he's the most reliable writer amongst the spin offs. And he, and he delivered quite well. <laughs> quite well. As Sarah Jane episodes go, like, I mean, I personally always enjoy the trickster episodes because they're like the feature of Sarah Jane. But I think like this episode, like Lost on Taran, is actually a really strong Sarah Jane episode. Yeah, it's a shame I we think... never got the trickster plot in series five. Um, I did yeah, true. Well, problem with the trickster, I find, is by the third time he appears, <laughs> you know how to defeat him because it's like, okay, the trickster makes an agreement with someone. Okay, how do you stop that? You break the agreement, and and it, it becomes the same <clears throat> ending every time. They're like, they, no, I can't they, leave you, but I must. But it's given us interesting they, premises. They hype up the like context each time. Like at first, it's like just a friend, and then it's like family, and then it's like her future yeah. husband. So it, they like it gave us the episode of Sarah Jane in the past, like with her parents, and that's yeah, like that an iconic one. combo, isn't it? Like having. Your I don't like them. I'm just saying it's the inherent problem you have, and I think the series five route where. <clears throat> the trickster was going to like take over the world without some kind of tricksy agreement. That could have been more interesting, where you, you're breaking that script problem. Yeah. I mean, in the event of a trickster, I guess it's a bit journey before destination, right? Because you know how it will be solved, but actually, you're also a bit in there for the character points it brings out of it. And there is some nice character building due to it. Because uh, you get some nice. Especially with the people they meet, like, and the people you learn from their past within the stories. Yeah. And it gave us David Tennant, so... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it sounded like oh, he, we... he was on Sarah Jane Adventures first. And thought, oh, he was quite good. He should be the doctor. <laughs> no, he played uh, in Colditz first um, as a character I won't list for this podcast, but people can look up that audio drama and find out who he plays. Was, was there a scene with Ace that you're not allowed to talk about without uh, violating our rating? Yeah, pretty much. And was uh, the word violating end, very just, badly chosen okay, in my without sentence? Without violating it... Um, his end is quite grisly in that one, so the TARDIS dematerializes with him half inside the TARDIS. Oh, so his yeah. body is half dematerialized, which obviously knew who kind of undoes in Husbands of the Song. That's um, not fun. But, yeah, that's with yeah, a robot. Ace got <laughs> yeah, I mean, it undid it for a reason. Ace got highly traumatized by that as well, from memory. Like, I mean, you would get traumatized. Happens, right? <laughs> Tarso collapses in the TARDIS. No. Pleasant. In terms of the characters from the last Antara, like going back to Maria, what do we think of her arc, like over the series and in this episode specifically? Uh, over the series, well, I don't think. What was her arc? I forget because I haven't watched Just, it in ages. It's more around her family, almost around her dad rationalizing that because the plot of series one, she's trying to keep hidden. In the Trickster episode, her dad finds out and then becomes pilot world. And then in this episode, Chrissy finds out and becomes part of the world. Well, not really. <laughs> And she does. She doesn't. She's like, oh, you just tripped over. I mean, she literally saves the day. Yeah, she, Chrissy, has legitimately, and I think I could back this up, has made more impact on a plot in that one episode. I'd like it. You all know where I'm going with this than all three current companions. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Graham's done bits. I like how Chrissy was okay with her family trying to gaslight her that the Suntaran stuff didn't happen. She was like, okay, yeah, this is totally normal for my family to do. Like, pretend it didn't happen. (laughs) I mean, her and Alan's marriage broke down somehow. 
<laughs> That's a dark implication, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of happy that like they both find out in the end and remember it because like when you get Ronnie and her family, like they're just overly oblivious. Like they shouldn't well, yeah, be oblivious. They for find that long, out so. and then Gita gets a mind wiped again. Yeah, just over and over, and like it works. So I'm happy that like for once it doesn't. And it's you actually like get that to one see episode that. of MI High where their, their teacher becomes a secret agent as well. Um, yeah, that's and true. Then she gets mind wiped out. Of that's just an unrealistic wipe, also, because <laughs> Mrs. <laughs> King should definitely know. Yeah, of course they do. Oh, it was Mrs. King licensed to spy, so <laughs> I should watch it. Uh, I've been meaning to have a MI High rewatch at some point. All right, so in terms sock, of like, 2021. <laughs> in terms of like Maria leaving the team though and going to America and how Sarah Jane handles that, did you have an opinion on that? It's quite it's an interesting act because they can't do what you could do in Doctor Who and just kill them off because they're all kids. So it's it's weird to see a very natural Martin, stop shaking your head, they can't kill children. I was thinking <laughs> the same as Martin. But children of Earth. Yeah, Children of Earth did it. <laughs> Spoilers. I think it's fair to say that Sarah Jane Adventures and Children of Earth are mildly different. There are loads of kids shows out there that kill off their child people. Did you notice, Martin, though, from like a new viewer like perspective, that Sarah Jane Adventures is aimed for like a much younger audience or not? Worst the series we have done was throw Lily off a roof in Tracy Beaker Returns. <laughs> That's true. That was pretty bad. <laughs> it was yeah, pretty dramatic. The series had a really dark period at one point. I don't know what was going on with their controller, but it was scarring, to be honest. Let <laughs> uh, yeah. to answer your question. Yeah, I mean, it's it is obviously more aimed at a more child audience, but there's still a lot of the Doctor Who aspects, I suppose because it was a Sontaran episode. Like I, it did feel a bit like a sort of Doctor Who episode. I really noticed it this time because like, I watched a lot of Sarah Jane Adventures when I was younger, but like after watching Doctor Who since then for a lot of the time, like going back, it was kind of like, oh, I remember this. So much more like just, plot spewing like from characters <laughs> maybe not more than a series 11 and 12 but definitely more than classic. i'm really looking to our first week when we show a chip later episode because i can just imagine <laughs> but um yeah i mean this episode does it does a very uh, clever it's a production technique disguised as a plot point in which it has something in the main doctor Who series and just goes what's the consequence of that you have That's you have good. this I'm really happy oh no that. i agree with that. and yeah. then you've got the slovenian series one and it does it in a, a good way a justifiable way it doesn't do the torchwood equivalent of the same plot which is you get a cyberman give it dalek bumps and unleash it on the hub and heels dalek heels as well now imagine a dalek with heels and, and i mean they could fly Rocky so they wouldn't have the problem that chrissy would so <laughs> That's how we disable Cybermen. Yeah, no, it's really good, like, just seeing that crossover. And actually, it's part of a way that Sarah Jane really bridges the new Who and classic Who audience and, like, adult and child audience is they bring in stuff from everywhere, make it accessible to kids, but also everyone else. Like, it's a real... It's a kid's show, but everyone watches it. Uh, you get Ace in it. That's a classic audience that I you like. Would well, no, you would you, you, get, you get Joe. Joe. In it. Um, well, then, you had particularly get call outs the classic era. And, like, ways you that kids don't care. Yeah, exactly. Like, they were so at nice. end of series four. The plan was to do a sequel to Planet of the Spiders. I wish. Oh. I would have, like, paid so much to see the great one back on our <laughs> screens. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, of course you would. I would. 
Right, well, I think let's move on to questions then, because we've got a couple this week. Do it. Yeah, well, the first first one is from Hawaiian, and I will point out, Hawaiian is a guest on this podcast next week, so you'll kind of understand his mindset from these questions. And he's asked, if you were transported back in time by a Sontaran, where would you want to go? I mean, definitely not the Middle Ages, can I just say? I'd because go about you three... know what they have in store. <laughs> <laughs> I'd go about three years back and stop myself making some bad decisions. Yeah, but then you'd have to relive the past three years again. Oh, no, I would not do that. <laughs> Well, if I could just I stop myself messing a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, arranged like a degree with a, a gap year in the middle for my third year. That would have been a good decision. Maybe do something to do with bats. You know. <laughs> yeah, well, if we go back like five years, say, then we can take our A-levels early, start uni slightly early, coast through year one and year two, because we've already done it, uh, and then get into year three uh, before COVID hits us. Or since we know exam answers, we can just get into Oxbridge this time. And, and make, yeah, but... make who soccer thing earlier. But if you yeah. got into like year three as COVID, yeah, then you'd miss your graduation and everything. And I bribed the SU first. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd want to go back into my own timeline. Like, if you're going to go back, you've got to go back, like, way before you're alive. And, like, oh, yeah. the oh, problem is that there's a Santara in there. Like, that's a big obstacle in your plans at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, go somewhere where the Santara would be outmatched. Or have not enough tech what to really stop you. Uh, no, uh, you, you go to Ireland during the potato famine. <laughs> <laughs> the villagers start digging into his head, right? <laughs> Anyone else got any ideas or should we move into the next one? I mean, if you're going to look for someone somewhere that's like a good match for the Sontarans, I can just imagine like arriving in the midst of Army of Ghosts Wait, and Doomsday okay. like with a Sontaran. Just hang on. So Sontaran... Brings them back in the past, but does he move them in space as well? Because, suggestively, no, because he's only getting scientists from Earth. However, the unit base where we were did not have two castles in the vicinity. But yeah, well, you've also got, if you want to do the proper physics looking at it, you know, the Earth is also <laughs> moving and rotating and everything is rotating. Make sure. Yeah, but, but like, still, like, if I can go we'll anywhere see. in time and space, then the Centauran has basically got a go at time. This is all why. Yeah, but at the end of the day, like, if unit do have a thing about like building in historical monuments, it could be demolished and just. Built as a unit have bases in historical monuments anyway. Yeah, exactly. So it might still be the same castle, it's just most of the castle's gone. You never see it from the outside. Yeah, exactly. it could be, yeah. Because it's actually not a, yeah. a castle. Yeah, to move on to another question from Hawaiian, which other classic companions should have gotten spin-offs? Or any companions? I believe actually. we're just skipping Tom's question. <laughs> I'm going back and forth. <laughs> well, the other companion, I don't know who I'd want to see, actually. Uh, nice. I, I, I do a Martha and Mickey spin-off. Oh, Mickey yeah, would, put them yeah. in Torchwood. Um, I don't know, Mickey they and tried. Martha were both like, yeah, exactly. treated horribly really by the show. Torchwood. Um, well, I, I do believe they were going to get together during Children of Earth when they were both meant to be in Okay, but concept, Jackie spin-off. <laughs> that would just that would just be... That's just love and monsters. Jackie Tyler, defender of the Earth. 
sit on Pete's world. This is probably like a common answer, but I'd quite like to see what the mass is up to. Just like him on his own, like reading tarot. Oh, let me tell you about Big Finish. (laughs) No, don't. (laughs) There's a Missy spin-off. There's a War Master spin-off. There's going to be uh, a Roberts Master spin-off next year (laughs) with like three box sets. They should do a, a Sasha Doan Masters, um, what he did in, for like 17 years. Well, they're years. obviously going to do that. They'll have him bump into a Delgado Master at one point. Like, it's <laughs> inevitable, right? They've got to do one with him at the election of Harold Saxon as well. <laughs> just yeah, we, were, we were talking about it the other day, but I, I bet he'd run against Harold Saxon in his constituency. Yeah, just, for, just for the lols. <laughs> Why He's actually been giving uh, Harriet Jones pep talks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be great. Right, I think we've got time for one more question very quickly, and we can either do for Tom's question, was Sarah Jane explored better in Doctor Who or a spin-off, or we could do a Wines question, <laughs> what is your favourite Chrissy Jackson moment? Which one would you like to answer? I think for variety, we should give Tom's question a shot. That's a good idea. Also, Sorry, I can't Wine. answer the Chrissy Jackson That's version. true. A Wine, okay, you're on next week, don't complain. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no. Uh, Wine can answer it next week himself. Yes. Oh, that's true, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, to answer this quickly, I think, what well, she gets more backstory in the spin-off but as a character i mean when you make some of the protagonists you're inherently giving them more room to breathe so probably i think maybe in the spin-off but that's not to say she was mistreated in the show it's just that's the position of being the companion to the doctor well she had she had good moments i think classic who treated her quite well they didn't give her too much backstory they just had her as the companion that sometimes gets herself into trouble, but also gets herself sort of out of that trouble as well. Yeah, although the too much backstory is a shame because the companions around Sarah were Liz, our scientist, Joe, who didn't have much backstory, but she had a massive character arc. And on the other side, we have Leela and Romana. You um, forgot Harry Sullivan. Yeah, <laughs> you imbecile. imbecile. <laughs> Point I is, though, Harry. because he has less character than Sarah. There's a reason the show dumped him. Yeah, but it's wow. still fun. I feel like it's to do with context. Like, it's not really about whether she got more in Doctor Who or Sarah Jane, but like, because Sarah Jane Adventures was literally about like her show, yeah, it like naturally gives her more time right? than Doctor Who, which has been going for so long with so many people. So hmm. sometimes they utilize like, so the, I think the classic era did her well because she was a light companion, but Eva Envy did quite complex companions, but it's nice to also have a breather, to be fair. And just be like, oh yeah, when, something. When she came back in New Who, the one thing I didn't like was when she sort of admitted that she had this like fancy to the dog. Oh, I hate the catty relationship with Rose. I hate yeah. that so much. Because I know that's what they were tying it into, but it kind of made me yeah. not like Sarah Jane as much. She goes, so I was yeah. like, oh, she's just pining after him. No, she wasn't. <laughs> we just hate Rose. Is the final word yeah, today? Okay. <laughs> is this a generic? We don't like Rose. Put moment. <laughs> yeah. And on that, I think we'll leave it there. (laughs) Next week, we have the Horror Fang Rock, which is Tom Baker, and Maureen the Orange Express for the Capaldi fans. Yes, Sontarans and Bruins, look at us having themes over multiple weeks. So we'll join you there next time. Bye. Bye. Purple Radio Podcasts. Thanks for downloading this Purple Radio podcast. For more great content and to listen live, head to purpleradio.co.uk.